are designed to get us to evaluate our own lives and that's what communion's about in part for us to evaluate our own lives and to reset some things if they need to be reset and for a Christian that don't mean to stop doing things only sometimes it's something we're doing we need to turn away from but it also means to embrace something that's what Christians are called to do we have sins that we commit at times we have sins that things that we leave undone that we should be doing. We call those sins of omission, things that we've allowed to go undone. So this is a moment for us because Israel celebrated the new year, their new year. They have two of those. We'll talk about that maybe. For a time for us to evaluate, starting with this communion right now. Let a man examine himself, Paul said. So here we are. Are there things in your life that you would like to leave in 2023 and not carry over with you in 2024? Are there things you need to embrace where you've left them undone or neglected them this last year or even part of your whole life? Here we are at a set moment, a set time, a new year's on its way. Be here in just a few hours for this country. But it is a moment that Israel had as well. And they celebrated their new year by having things they turned away from. Most of you have heard me preach and teach on Teshuvah. They were, the, the Israelites would have those moments where they would let loose of things or embrace things. Most of us are pushed into that moment with physical things. But our spiritual life is more important than our physical life. I didn't get one amen on that. That's the culture we live in. I understand that. But we got to change that. The Bible tells us to rejoice when people die in the Lord and to mourn when they're born. Because we got to understand that our spiritual life is the most important thing about us. How well we're doing in our spiritual life. If we're attending to that. So Jesus gave us an opportunity here to remember his death and to have a reset and we've got an opportunity for a big reset here not just natural man stuff but the spiritual person do you want to be all you can be for the Lord this year do you want to leave some things behind and embrace some new things Father we lift this bread to you we lift it as an emblem and a symbol of the body of you Jesus your body that you laid down was broken for us and we celebrate that we celebrate that because it should have been our body that was suffering that day but you took our place and because of that we have hope without a question mark and as we set our vision on this upcoming year May we find ourselves evaluating our lives, taking inventory, and stepping into the things that you would have us move into and turning away from the things you would have us turn away from. We eat this bread understanding your sacrifice. In Jesus' name. We hold this cup, Lord, the fruit of the vine,
that represents the washing away of our sin. We want to be clean. We come to you today, Lord, and ask you to forgive us of our sins. Forgive us for the things that we've picked up along the way this year. Attitudes, habits, unforgiveness, anything that's of the world and not of you. As we get ready to step into this new year, may your blood wash us clean and give us a fresh start as we step into tomorrow as tomorrow becomes today. May you wash us clean. May though our sins be as scarlet, may they be as white as snow. Forgive us, Lord, for the things we've done wrong and give us a new start and wash us and cleanse us and make us white as snow in Jesus' name. As we get ready to give praise and thanks for everything God's done in our lives this year, bringing us through this year, giving us a moment to know Him a greater way, let's celebrate that. And let's get ready to give God more this year in 2024 than we've ever given Him before. Let's make sure He's first in our lives. I'm reading to you from the Hebrew translation of Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the time of trouble. And may the name of Jacob's God keep you safe. May he send you help from the sanctuary and sustain you from Zion. May he receive the tokens of all your meal offerings and approve your burnt offerings. May he grant you your desire and fulfill your every plan. May we shout for joy in your victory, arrayed by standards in the name of our God. May the Now I know that the Lord will give victory to his anointed. will answer him from his heavenly sanctuary with the mighty victories of his right arm. Who is the right arm? Jesus. They call on chariots and they call on horses. But we call on the name of the Lord our God. Listen to how it ends in Hebrew. Collapse and lie fallen. May King answer us when we call. We have hope without a question mark because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He can do far above what we can even think or ask. Think about that for a minute. And the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead lives inside of us. Those two verses, if we ever get a hold of those in the body of Christ, that he can do far above what we think or ask, and that the same spirit that's in us is the one that raised him from the dead. The devil's in trouble. Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give him praise this morning. you glad his mercy's good for always 
The Bible says, Jeremiah said that it's because His mercies are new every day that we're not consumed. That's why we're here. We're not here because we're good or we're good at something. We're here because His mercies are new every day. Let's give Him praise for that. Amen. All right, we're going to end the year right and start it right. Our, uh, we have nurseries next door, and we also have children's church. You guys are dismissed. The rest of you may be seated. We will do our impossibility list at the end of service. Uh, but I want to share some stuff with you this morning. Uh, might not be exactly where you thought I would be today, uh, but I want to share some stuff with you. I want you to go to the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Let's go to the book of Ruth, chapter 1. <clears throat> When my wife and I got married, we set down three things that we would live by in our marriage. And this month, earlier in this month, that was 34 years ago. And uh, here's the three things we said. We said we would never go to bed angry. We would work it out. Uh, and we've lived that way. We've had to get each other out of the bed a few times. <laughs> Mostly me having to get her out of the That's reality. But we've kept our commitment. I can remember one of us, each of us getting the other one out of bed, saying, hey, we made a commitment. Because the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Resolve it. The other thing that we did was that we said that if there was a trouble on either side, that whichever side it was, we would handle it. Like, if there was trouble on my side of the family, I would handle it because they're not going to be mad at their son forever. Right? And if there was trouble on her side, she would handle it. I wouldn't handle it because it's easier to get mad at the in-law than it is, right? So we've lived by those principles and that God would be first in our lives we wouldn't let the sun go down God would be first in our lives and that if there was trouble on either side the side that it came up from they would handle it because they're not going to stay mad at their daughter and my mom dad's not going to stay mad at their son so if sometimes things need to be handled we've tried to live that way we've tried to make sure that God was first in our lives that's not always easy because you're going to have things come up where you would rather go to bed than work it out. You're going to have things come up you'd rather not handle. There are going to be times when you want to do your will instead of God's will. But uh, in Ruth, we see this challenge, and I titled this morning's message, Going Back or Going On. And let me give you the backdrop of this. The, other, the three things were she would handle or I would handle, depending on which side. The sun wouldn't go uh, down on our, on our anger. And that God's word would always have the last say in our lives. Those are the three things we made a commitment to. So if there was something we couldn't come to agreement on, we would come to God's word. And usually you can do that ahead of time if you get in the word and stay in it. But sometimes... You may do that as you're growing and say, hey, let's see what God's word says about this. So God's word would always have the last say. If there was trouble on either side, 
whichever side it came from, that side would handle it, and that we would not let the sun go down on our anger. We wouldn't go to bed angry. And we've lived by those three principles, and they've helped us. <clears throat> Here in the book of Ruth, I'm going to give you the backdrop. They were not supposed to leave Israel. Naomi and her husband with her two sons, there was a famine in the land, and for whatever reason, they decided to leave. Well, they were pre before this, they were, the Israelites were given a command not to leave. So they decided to leave. And that's the first thing I wanted to challenge you with as you step into this new year. Be careful about using your own reasoning. There's a way that seemeth right unto man. Right? So be careful of that. The foolishness of God, the Bible says, is greater than our greatest wisdom. So let's remember that as we step into 2024. For whatever reason, they decided to go to Moab. And so that's where we picked the story up. People who've neglected God's word. That was one of the three things my wife and I built our marriage on. God's word would always have the final say. And I, if you were here Wednesday night, you, you know this is how we've lived. Our children are all grown now, but we never taught our children that the buck stopped with us. We never taught them that. We taught them there was a higher authority than us. Because we couldn't be there when the marijuana is being passed around, but the Holy Spirit is there. We couldn't be there when the temptations are there or the, the challenge to go the wrong way, but the Holy Spirit can be there. We've always taught our children they're going to have to answer to somebody higher than us someday. Every one of us are going to do that. Every one of us are going to stand before the Lord someday. And the Israelites understood that. They used these set times to evaluate and return to things or let things go. That was their, they used these set times. Now, let me say something to you. God designed set times for his people to evaluate their lives and make some changes or embrace some things. If we don't do that, we may have bigger events in our life that cause us to do that. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Bigger events that are trying to get our attention. Let's look at Ruth chapter 1. It says, Now it came to pass in, those, in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his, uh, his wife was Naomi, and the names of the two sons was Malon and Chilion, the Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab, remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah. The name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died, and the woman and so the woman survived her two sons and her husband, speaking of Naomi. It was costly. You, will, you and I will cost ourselves something if we continue to disobey God. I don't know why they stayed so long without somebody waking up and remembering that God had told them not to leave. But I think sometimes people wake up and figure that out too, don't they? They think, why have I stayed here so long? Why have I held on to this unforgiveness this long? Why have I lived in this temptation this long? Why have I neglected and not embraced that? Knowing the Holy Spirit's been working with me for years. Telling me to embrace that. I think a lot of people have this experience. 
They go against God's word. And they know they're going against God's word. But they just get in a habit or a routine. Is anybody listening to me? And they just stay there. And what happens when they stay there? It begins to cost them. Any of us. If we live in a place where we are disregarding God's word to us, it will cost us. None of us are the exception to the rule. You are not smart enough to overcome God's ways. Spiritual laws have, they are greater than natural laws. Do you understand that? Most people don't. Most people don't understand that spiritual laws govern over natural laws. That's the highest form of government is the spiritual realm. The Bible says if you will reap what you sow. That's a promise. That's how it works. You don't sow corn and get beans. And he explains all that in Galatians. The problem is we get lulled to sleep. And we just get stuck in the routine of doing the same thing. And so I'm challenging you this morning in this new year that's going to kick off tonight. Are you going to go on or are you going to go back? That's what you're going to see here with these two women. They stayed over here for 10 years. She has no husband now. And then finally her sons, they pass away too. All the fallout from disobeying God. She comes to her senses. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that, they, and that she might return to the country of, uh, from the country of Moab. And she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. See what happened? He was going to show up. We just, we just have trouble waiting. You read through the book of Isaiah and you think God was prophesying every day. That book consisted of 40 years. 60 chapters is not a lot of information in 40 years. He wouldn't prophesy every day. He was prophesying periodically. When you read the book of Acts, we see all those miracles, but they didn't happen every single day. And so we get tired of waiting. We become like Abraham and Sarah, right? They got the promise from God. They got tired of waiting, so... Uh, they decided they would bring Hagar into the moment. And they would do it themselves. How many times has that happened to us? I guess uh, Elimelech and Naomi decided, we don't really want to wait. You know, we heard they opened a new Walmart in Moab. Let's go down there. Right? And so they go to Moab against God's word. Now, let me say something to you. When you get God's word, and you can get it every day, by the way, if you choose to. When you get God's word, a couple of things are going to happen most likely. If you get something that comes into your spirit and you think God's talking to me, what you're probably going to experience shortly thereafter is you're going to get a, an alternative. The devil loves to offer alternatives to us. Or you're going to get something that is in direct opposition to that to get you to buy. Listen, Here's something the devil knows better than most Christians. He knows that he can't stop this. He can't stop it. The only way that he can be effective is to get you and I to back off. 
That's it. He knows God's word will not return void. Those who take it, let it sink down into their ears, digest it, and walk it out. He knows he can't stop that. He knows it. So his only avenue is to get us to back away, to take an alternative, or to just say, I'm not going to stick this out. And that's what they did. They went to Moab. And then God did show up. He didn't show up in the time. And I, you've heard me say this jokingly, but it's a real thing. God does not wear a watch. And while I'm talking about God, He don't fly an American flag above His throne either. God is God. He is so serious. He had to rebuke Israel. I believe it was in Psalm 55 maybe where He said, You guys thought I was like you. And I think that's what a lot of folks do, even church folks. They go home thinking God's like them. But he's not. He's above us. He's smarter than us. He has more wisdom than us. His wisdom is His foolishness is greater than our greatest wisdom. That's how dumb we are. Meh. <laughs> he is in charge. And it's so wonderful that he would offer himself to us. And give himself as a ransom. And take our place in death. It's beautiful that God would do that. But these guys got in trouble because for whatever reason, they evaluated the situation. Obviously, there wasn't enough bread coming to suit them. And so they go to Moab and they wind up with horrible loss. She's ready to go home because she heard that God had showed up back where he told them to stay and had given them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went away to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me, and the Lord grant you that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept, and they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. Now notice that Orpah's singing the same song at first. Just like Ruth. Right? How many people, how many have you seen this out of your own life? I've got good intentions. I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to move into that. I'm going to leave that alone. Good intentions. She's singing the same song Ruth is initially. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Now, she is so caught up in her grief she has no vision but just to go home and eat some natural bread. That's what the enemy does to us when he talks us into disobeying. Have you noticed that? When you and I disobey, he just starts heaping it on us, don't he? Doubts, depression, discouragement. He just keeps throwing that stuff on us because he knows the very moment we turn and start trusting in God's Word, He's going to start losing his power and authority in our lives. So he just keeps piling it on and piling it on and piling it on. Do you know that Jesus not only died for your sins, but the Bible says he carried our shame as well. You don't have to pack that shame. I don't care what your neighbor knows. Let them have it. That shame was given to Christ. But that's how the devil works, right? Discouragement. Shame, you knew better. All this stuff he keeps piling it on there. She has no vision except just to go back, get back up there and try to find some bread. But that God's not done. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for somebody that will take him at his word. 
He don't care if it's a prostitute. He don't care if it's a drug addict. He don't care if it's a king or the poorest guy across the tracks. He's just looking for somebody that says, I'm with you all the way. Amen. Amen. Guess what? Read the lineage of Jesus and you will find adulterers in there. You will find prostitutes in there. And you will find knuckleheads in there. And you will find guys that got ahead of God, realized it, and got back in line where they belonged. You'll find everything in Jesus' lineage. But you'll find people who refuse to quit and realize when they were... The, the thing about doing wrong, sometimes your failures, our failures can be our greatest teachers. The thing we see about the people that stuck it out with God in the geniality, not only that, but in the Scripture, is that when they saw what they were capable of, it caused them to cling that much tighter to God. That's how God wants things to work in our lives. And so they said, we're going to go with you now. I said, no, I'm going back. I said, do I have any more sons in my womb? Uh, turn back. And I see all this is natural thinking, right? She's been beat up. She's lost everything that she loved. Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I could have a husband and children, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they have grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. So it's all defeat. She's living in defeat. She has no vision for the future because the devil has surrounded her with death and defeat. It's just like the widow woman, the other widow woman that the preacher comes to that I mentioned Wednesday night. When he stops there, he says to her, says, have uh, you got something to eat? She said, yeah, we've got enough. My son and I have enough, just her and her son, and uh, got enough to uh, eat one more time, then we're going to die. What an outlook, right? What a wonderful outlook. We have one more meal, and then we plan on dying after that. No vision, because she's, con she's cornered, because her natural laws are conquering her spiritual laws. So here comes the preacher or the prophet, and he stops by and says, Hey, why don't you feed me first? Now, how many of you all would have been offended by that? Just like one of them preachers. <laughs> Stopping by, wanting to be put up front. Here he is. He's either egotistical, self-centered dude, or he's offering this widow woman the chance of a lifetime. Don't get offended when your faith gets tested. Because the Bible says it's impossible to please him without it. So if it's impossible, it didn't, God didn't say it was impossible. Do you realize that I could lose my tongue today and never preach again and I could still please God? I could still, still, still live a life that's pleasing to God. God don't love me because I preach. He could, get, he could stick a donkey up here. And in some pulpits, that might be an improvement. <laughs> Maybe even this one. God loves us because he set his love on us. He didn't love us because he needs us. For God to be God means he exists internally. He has no need outside of himself. That's, he's the only being that can be said of. He exists internally. He needs nothing outside of himself to exist. We do. We need him. We need his love, his mercy, his oxygen. You could go on and on and on. His spirit. We need all of that to exist. 
So God set his love on us. And so this widow woman, do you imagine the walk that took place from hearing what the prophet said to that barrel of, of meal? Do you imagine what was going on through her head? What's my friends going to think about me if I give my son's food away? How are we going to eat? What's going to, what are they, what, all of that going on. She's, she's human. She's going back to, but whatever went on in her brain and in her soulless realm, she made the right decision. She came back and she gave him something to eat first. And the Bible tells us that the barrel of oil meal never ran dry. She had her moment right there. Have you had those moments? Has God offered, or were you offended? Because God challenged you to do something. He challenged you to put him in front of your own family. Were you offended by that? Was I offended if God asked me to put something of his in front of my own family? You cannot love anything more than him. And be his disciple. And the Bible teaches us. Here's what I want to say to you. If you love God first. When I love God the most. I am capable of loving my wife more. Without loving God first. You don't have the capacity. To love other people in your circle. The way you could love them. If you love God first. That's a lie. When Satan comes in. And he teaches people to love other people more than God even. Or people wind up loving their children more than they love God. Or they love a boyfriend or girlfriend more than he, whatever. That's not God's way. When you don't love God first, when I don't love God first and most, I lose my capacity to love others the most. Or the way I could love them. So they're in a dilemma. Ru, Ru, uh, Naomi's distraught. Ruth and Orpah said, we're, we're all in. And she's trying to talk them out of it. And they lifted up their voices and wept. In verse 14, again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. And Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. So she gives her an opportunity. So Orpah turns and goes back. And that's where you and I stand today. I'm not saying somebody in here is ready, ready to quit on God, but I'm saying we all can grow. We can all improve our relationship and our Christianity. We can all improve on that. What plan do you have of moving forward this year? What plan do you have of clinging to God more? Or are you dissatisfied with where you've been? Do you want to grow? Do you want to move forward? Do you want to leave some things in 2023 and not take some things into 2024? So Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And that's the verse we pull out of here. But there's a whole backdrop as I've tried to share with you this morning that's going on there. There's so much discouragement. And then God, I'm not going to take the time to go into it, but God explodes this scenario and does great things and actually keeps bringing the lineage of his son through there. What a wonderful thing that God is able to take the most tragic events in our lives and bring something good out of them. That's the God we serve. He's able to take the most tragic things that happen to us and turn them to good. We, we got the best deal going. The world don't have that. They don't have any hope when they have funerals. I want to share, you, share a story with you before I take you to the New Testament. 
There's a lady who's watching us right now, most likely, who called my wife and I a couple, several days ago. And we both listened. My wife was weeping. I was fighting the tears and trying to interact, interject occasionally. This family watches us from another part of this state every week. She's a young woman who told us her story and she said that uh, she said that she'd had a couple of miscarriages and grew up really hard and poor and is just trying to dig out of poverty now. And had a horrible marriage. Everything was bad. But she had a sense inside of her a spark from the Lord that had some level of conviction in her. She said because when she got with the husband she has now, she said, we just come to ourselves one day and realize that we were living in sin. They weren't married. She said we were just living in sin. She said we had enough knowledge to know that God could not bless us if we continued to live in sin. And my, she, her story, I'm not giving you all the details, that's not necessary, but her story was causing my wife just to weep, and I was fighting back to tears. But her, she told us all that to tell us this. And I asked her, without naming, if I could share that publicly. She never once faltered about feeling sorry for herself, Woe was her. She had a rough time growing up. Everything bad happened to this woman. At least once. From abuse, sexual abuse, physical, everything that goes on in our culture happened to this woman. But she shared her story to tell us how good God had been to her. And that's where she spent all of her time focusing. And, I was, and when, I, when we hung up the phone with her, I thought about how many people just live on the bad side of that. They just think about it. They dwell on it. They got, they're mad at everybody. You could tell there was no unforgiveness in her heart. She, she, she didn't have any ill will toward people that had done her wrong. She just found Jesus and it changed her life. She was so excited about, and she, she kept saying over and over and over and over, I want to tell you how good God's been to me. How good God's been to me. How good God's been to me. All she'd been through, and instead of dragging and living in that, she just kept saying, I want to tell you how good God's been to me. How good God's been to me. And she said, my husband and I are just about saved up enough money for a down payment on a house. How they're coming out of poverty. Everything. And she, she attributes all of that to waking up one morning and saying, we got to quit living a life of sin. And now they have a new baby. After she had had two miscarriages and didn't think she could have a baby. It's beautiful to watch God take somebody out of Moab and bring the beauty of him into their life. Amen. Amen. So uh, this ministry is going a lot of places and ministering to a lot of folks. And we're thankful for that. 
But I want to make this clear because we're live. That's the work of the Lord. It's not, a, it's not this church necessarily. We're here to let him work through us. But God should get all the glory and the credit for everything that happens. Uh, a shoot up uh, uh, Luke chapter 9 verse 62 on the screen. It says, but, and then we'll go to Philippians. It says, but Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand on the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now what are you going to do with your life? Are you going to go back? Or are you going to go on? How many people, just like this woman I talked to you about just now, live on the other side? They live in all the rot and all the pain and all that over there. This lady chose to do, live on what God had done for her, how he had brought her out, what he's doing in her life and in her family. That's the way we all should live. So nobody who's put, her hand, put their hand on the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Orpah had an emotional moment, right? She had an emotional moment with Naomi. She looked like she was going to go too for a moment, right? But she didn't. She wound up being like Lot's wife, didn't she? When God said, you guys get out of Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm getting ready to blow the joint up. And he said, don't look back. So Lot's wife looked back, turned into a pillar of salt right there in the path out of the city. What Jesus said in the New Testament, if you've lost your savor, you're not good for nothing if the salt has to be left in the path and trodden under the feet of men. And there she lay in the path in a pillar of salt. So Orpah decided to go back to Moab. Do you know Moab? is actually the descendants of that incestuous relationship that happened with Lot and his daughters, Moab and Ammon. That's where Elimelech and Naomi decided to go to be sustained. And they lost their lives, Elimelech. Orpah decides that, now how many people do we know? Maybe that's been you. You have good intentions, but you're going to wake up in 2024 in the same spot you were in 2023. Now you can look at, you can keep looking at the devil, what all the devil's done, or you can look at what God's offering you. And you can live in that. It's up to you. How long can you keep that noose around that person's neck that you've not forgiven? How long will you carry that unforgiveness? How long will you have hatred in your heart? What good is that doing you? When you read that line that Jesus says, truly, truly you've received, truly, truly you give. Freely, freely you've received, freely you give. What have you got from him? What have you got from Jesus? Chief thing you've got is forgiveness, right? You didn't, you didn't deserve that no more than anybody else in the world. Neither did I. We got forgiveness for our sins. And you may think in the back of your mind your sin wasn't as bad as anybody else's, somebody else's. That's not what the Bible teaches the Bible says if we break the law, we break, break one point of the law, we break the whole law. We're a transgressor. We're born into sin. So freely you receive, freely you give. What is it that you've gotten? You've gotten forgiveness, you've gotten mercy, you've gotten grace, and you and I have gotten long-suffering. We have to give those things away. It's illegal to hold unforgiveness in the kingdom of Christ. 
It's illegal to do that. So how about drawing a line right here and saying, I'm not taking whatever. I'm just using that for an example, but it could be lust. It could be greed, whatever. How about drawing a line in the sand and say, you know, I'm not crossing over with that. I'm leaving that in 2023. And I'm going to do whatever's necessary to make sure I leave it in 2023. Now, let's go to Philippians chapter 3, the New Testament. They have these set times, reminders that Israelites did. They casting off to Shuvah. They turn from things or embrace things in the new year. And that's where we're at in our new year. And verse 3 of, of Philippians chapter 3 says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. And that's the thing we have to guard against because we can, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> we can <coughs> start having confidence in our abilities. <coughs> Speaking of losing my tongue, about to. <coughs> and God's put me to the test here. <coughs> Though I might have confidence in the flesh, this is Paul talking. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I am more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, <coughs> of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew, Hebrews. I'm going to come out of this. Hang on. Concerning the law, <clears throat> ask my wife, I don't give up. A Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is the law, blameless. So he, he's talking about, if you want to look at the flesh and think you got a standing, none of you even come close to where I was standing in that. But it doesn't work. He says, but what things were gained to me, these things I've counted lost for Christ. I want you to notice what he says here. That's a line that we've all memorized probably. He says, what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ. <clears throat> and he's talking about in a religious sense about <clears throat> being established, right? His stature. But look at the next line. Yet indeed, I also count all things. All things. Lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Is that where we live? Is the knowledge of Jesus greater than anything else in your life? If we evaluated our lives, what would we be giving ourselves to mostly? He says, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Is that our desire? <clears throat> that we would know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. We like the first part. Yeah, we want to know Him in this resurrection power. But the fellowship and His sufferings. And <clears throat> it's sad, <clears throat> but some of the Media ministry over the years has left the impression that Christians don't face trouble. Well, then who's the devil fighting against? He don't have to fight the lost people because they're already on his side. He says that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain 
to the resurrection from the dead. His goal is clear, right? That eternal life is his number one priority. That should be our number one priority. That should be everybody's number one priority, but we know it's not. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Ruth walked on. She went the way with Naomi, not really knowing what to expect, but by living by faith. <coughs> Excuse me. And she received the end of that faith, didn't she? She was brought in to Boaz's home. She was blessed immensely because she, as the world would say, took a chance. But as we would say, she lived in faith and God rewarded that. I can prophesy to you this morning two things without any hesitation. God will always reward those who live by faith. And you'll never outgive God in anything. You'll never outgive God in love, forgiveness, money, nothing. You'll never outgive Him in anything. It's impossible. <clears throat> and so he says, But brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. <clears throat> Even inside the church, sometimes we have those people who live in the past. Inside the family. Each other. <clears throat> your own life maybe. You're looking back and living back there, wherever there is at, instead of going on. This word forget is an interesting word. <clears throat> it's a big word, so I'm not going to put it on the board in Greek. But it's epilanthan omea. Epilanthan omea. It's a big old long Greek word. And this word's interesting because we don't really have the power to forget the way God does. You notice that? <clears throat> How many of you have had events happen in your life that you wish you could forget? It's hard to just put that information away. It's really mind-boggling to think that God can actually forget. That's a supernatural attribute. That he can cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. That he can forget them. It's a pretty powerful thought to think about forgetting. <clears throat> but this word actually means to neglect. To overlook. To not care for. In other words, don't give it any more airtime. Somebody, this happened to me years ago. Somebody come up to me and said... <clears throat> <clears throat> Would you like to know what so-and-so thinks about you? <laughs> I held my hand up. I said, no, I would not. I said, because I love them and I can pray for them. If you give me some information, it might turn my heart and I don't need to hear it. Neglect it. There's how you neglect it. I don't care if it's your best friend. If they're going to hand you off some gossip, you need to shut them down. I didn't get one amen. And sometimes they'll hand it off in the form of a prayer request. They get real spiritual on you. <clears throat> what happens is, if you're going to forget things, you've got to neglect them. It's like that thing, and this is the idea behind this. It's like that thing you put in a box and you stuck it in the attic and you forgot you had it. It's still there. It didn't go anywhere, but it's been neglected for seven or eight years. 
And then you go over there and open that box and wow, there's that little dolly that your great-grandmother gave you. To overlook, to not care for anymore, to neglect it. So you need to take things in your life and learn how to neglect them if they're not of God. Don't give yourself that opportunity to be caught back up in that thing, whatever it is. Unforgiveness, greed, lust, hatred, anger. Neglect those things that bring that into your life. Neglect them. <clears throat> I heard the guy who founded <clears throat> South, uh, Southeast, one of the largest churches this side of the Mississippi up in Louisville. And he got up <clears throat> to preach. I was listening to one of his sermons. He said, I'm going to preach on lust and immorality and uh, pornography. And he said, if there's anybody left when I'm done, we'll meet in my garage, he said. <clears throat> but he, he talked about how <clears throat> people need to do whatever it takes to cut avenues. This particular sermon was on uh, immorality and sexuality, the inappropriate sexuality. He talked about how to separate yourself from that and the sacrifices that need to be made to do that. To neglect. He didn't, get in, he didn't get into this Greek language and stuff. But that's what he was talking about. He was talking about how if you want to win the battle over those things, you got to neglect certain things. You may have to say, I, I live this way because I'm going to neglect those things in my life. If you don't want to get offended at somebody, you got to quit letting your neighbor run them down to you. Because once that happens you'll filter all things through that offense. Notice what happens with that. If you get offended at somebody, <clears throat> you'll filter they won't be able to do anything right because you'll filter everything through that old dirty water pipe. Who do you think's in charge? You or God? God is. We get all worked up over stuff that we shouldn't get worked up over. And it's only causing us harm. So I ask you, what would you like to leave in 2023 as we get ready to step into 2024? Would you like to leave some hurt behind? Like the young woman I was telling you about who had left her hurt behind and saw the beauty of what God had done in her life and forgave all those people. Would you like to do that this year? Would you like to leave some unforgiveness or some, some temptation that, that has too much power in your life? Would you like to leave that behind in 2023? Would you want to go on? Or are you going to go back? Ruth went on, not knowing. Yes, the reason we get involved in some of these things is because we groove out these things, right? Remember that from the soulish man? We groove them out. So for a moment or a season, your life will have to be redirected because you're used to relying on that hatred. Yeah, that's, that's, how, that's what you fall back on. Or that unforgiveness. Or that thing that hurts you. Right? Well, I'm upset because I got hurt 25 years ago. 
And you get, you, when you decide to say, that no longer is going to have power in my life. And the person that hurts you may even be dead now. But you've still let that thing have power in your life because you've refused to neglect it. When I, and I've shared a little bit of this, but when I went to Sister Mary's on her 50th deal, I was one of the speakers with a few other priests, but a lot of the speakers were her children. And they one by one got to that podium, and most of them said this at least as a part of what they said. They said, Mary Bennett is the best counselor in the world. They said, she taught us how to forgive people that hurt us. Because she would always say, as long as you've not forgiven them, they will still be able to hurt you. So they told stories about how she would take them in a car and park in front of a house where they'd been abused physically, sexually, left abandoned, whatever. And she would pray with them and they would go back more than once until they had overcome that. Best counselor in the world is a little old mountain girl that knows the value of forgiveness. I'm going to say this as loud as I can. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart, it will stop you in your tracks spiritually. You've got to get it out of there. And I can't think of a better time than to switch in the new year, going from 2023 to 2024. Learn how to give grace. You people that are mad at your parents, what do you have some children? Daggone it. <laughs> it's the first time any of us have ever done this. We're learning as we go, right? Uh, and Lord help the first one. <laughs> right. Sorry, Jared. <laughs> the one you learn stuff on, you know, trying to figure it out. But we, we got to be able to forgive freely. We received. Freely we give. What did you get from Jesus? Everything. So give it away. Don't damn it up. He says, therefore, let as many as be mature. In verse 15, have this mind that anything you think otherwise, God will reveal. He will reveal even this to you. Let's walk this way. Let's forget those things that are behind Let's press on to the prize of the mark of the high. You will feel so much better if you'll let some things go that you know God's not pleased with and if you'll embrace some things that you know God has asked you to do. You will feel so much better spiritually and physically. It will do you and I a world of good when we take these moments, these set times to evaluate our lives instead of just going on and going on. Take a moment and stop. Say, what is it, God, that you want from me? What is it you want my life to be like? Take that moment today. Get ready to step into tomorrow. We got some brothers who are going to give you out some cards. It is, uh, you guys can hand those out. Uh, we're going to make an impossibility list here. And I want you to do that. You guys can come to worship. <clears throat> we we'll pass out some pens and stuff. While you're worshiping even, while the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you, <clears throat> whatever's going on in your moment, I want you to make an impossibility list during this altar time. 
And what I want you to put on that list is things that you cannot make happen. Things that are going to take God. I, I was talking to some people just this week as we were talking about the list we'd made last year about the things that they were able to mark off. So as these guys come around, you guys go ahead and start distributing that. If you need an ink pen, they'll have those too. I want you to make a list of things you would like to see God do in 2024 and make a list of those things that only he could do. It will take God to move. He may use somebody. I'm not saying that. Or he may use a situation. But it, it, this impossible list, I want you to keep it in your wallet or in your purse or wherever you're at and, and pray over it from time to time. And just, just see what God is going to do in 2024. I, I was able to mark off several people who I'd put on mine that were born again last year. Amen. That's good news. That's the best news, I think. So they, we certainly know it takes God for somebody to be born again or saved. So as you're worshiping, as you're taking this moment, if you want to come and pray, this altar's open. Whatever your needs are. I want you to make that impossibility list as we have this time of worship. Come on up and pray if you want to do that. You might want to do that this very morning. Start this morning praying over your impossibility list. But the things that you know it would take God to make them happen. Put five, six, eight, ten things on that list. And let's see. I would like for us to come back. I want you to hang on to them. I want us to be more diligent about it this year. Hang on to them because I want to talk to you about them as the year goes on. I want to hear from you if God answers one of those things. Let's stand to our feet. <clears throat> Lord, as we make this moment, you said you could do far above what we could think or ask. And as we get ready to step into this new year in this body, it's been beautiful to watch what you've done in this body and what you've been able to use these people and the resources that have come through here. We're thankful for this new sanctuary. We're thankful for all the things you've done on this campus. We're thankful for all the mission work, Lord, that's hundreds, multiple thousands of dollars that have went out of here to do mission work across this land and this world. It's been a blessing to so many other people and the lives that have been saved and born again, the people we've baptized, Lord. We, we're just so thankful for all you've done. But we know you're, you can do more, and we want to walk with you in 2024, Lord, and we want to see your hand, your power, and your strength in this season as we step into 2024, as you call us out, Lord. May we leave those things that are behind and step into the things you've called us to step into as we get ready for this season. Take your time as we worship to fill out your list, to come and pray, whatever you need to do with God this morning.